Welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Pete Wright, and I am here with Megan Strand. Hello, everyone. And Dane Christensen. Hello there. And we are the Naked Marketers. Welcome back. Another week, another show. I'm so excited to be with you people again. I really super missed doing a show last week. I did too. It was terrible. I didn't like it. No, it's very uncomfortable. I'm I yeah, this is this um podcast that we've started is 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 really I'm very excited. I think uh, not only have we had some great guests and some great shows to date, but uh, I know uh, in the discussions that we've had that we've got some great people coming up over the next month or two, and it's going to get nothing but better. I, yeah, I totally just... agree. I, I had this awesome conversation today, and I talk about this uh, a little bit later in our interview, too, we, uh, with a, a photographer in town who is, is uh, quite talented, and uh, we're sitting there talking, and she says, you know, I've been listening to The Naked Marketers, and I looked back in shock and awe. <laughs> And she said, uh, and she had some very nice things to say about you people. She said it was a good show, and that she gets very frustrated with with podcasts that she is uh, she finds herself just getting addicted to, and then uh, and then they go dark. And that happens a lot with podcasts. And I can certainly say with my own experience starting other shows that that uh, you know when there isn't just that right energy in those first couple of episodes, when it just does, when you don't get the right guests, when it just doesn't come together, it's pretty easy to let it fall. But this, uh, I, I feel like we've got a lineup of people who are really interesting to talk to, and and uh, I I, um, I hope folks stick around to to hear more of it. Yes, please do, because we are very excited. And there's the, the fun part about it is that there's constantly, as I go through my week, and I know this is the same true for you two as well, but as I go through my week, there's constantly things that I say, oh, I really want to talk about that on, on the podcast. So there's just a, a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about. And uh, so with that, I think we should get started. It's a long show. We've got a long interview coming up uh, with one of, our, um, one of our new media heroes, but it's not going to feel like a long no, show. No, it, it doesn't feel. It feels like it's it's a show in a microwave. You get you get you'll get uh, nearly a day worth of of rich content in about an hour. Like five minutes. <laughs> All right. With that, where should we start? Let's start with uh, stories of the week. So Viacom is in this big, uh, you know, this big lawsuit with YouTube because. Uh, you know they uh, they accuse YouTube of of not policing their network appropriately for copywritten um, uh, content for content that is is up on YouTube um, as uh, in violation of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Uh, the YouTube stance is you know we we do our best and when we get a cease and desist when a company says we own this this information we we take the content down because you know we're but otherwise we're what's called a safe harbor uh, institution and so anything that's put up on our network we don't take responsibility for because we just host the network it's like the telephone companies and the you know that's it's just right. sort of a standard well it came out uh, on March 18th that uh, that Viacom it turns out while they were busy suing and submitting all these cease and desists to YouTube to take down all their copywriting content, uh, there is now evidence that uh, employees of Viacom were secretly uploading copywritten content to YouTube, which they would then go sue about later. Uh, and they were using it because, I mean, you know, my take that on it is... That doesn't sound incriminating. Well, you know, seriously, who wouldn't do this? The <laughs> the biggest video site on the internet with, with you know, video clips from all of your competitors, you don't want to be there? You don't want to be in front of all those eyes? Uh, can I just say here, when you're in hospitality, right, you're thinking to yourself, so 
hospitality, entertainment industry, you're thinking, you know, how can I charge for something? What can I charge for? I want to charge for, you know, I've got this captive audience and I want to, you know, I want to make as much money as possible. Okay, you know, that's part of it, right? So you can charge for, you know, the internet connection or, or for the DVDs. Or are there things that rather than charge and make that incremental dollar, I'm going to make more money on the back end by getting the word out, by having, getting people access to something, by promoting, by having people, you know, promote for me. It, it, to me, it's the same thing with, <clears throat> with digital content and, and, you know, why in the world Sony was holding out. You know, they don't like, uh, and I know it's a little bit different topic, but they didn't like the, the, the payment or the paper like video play, right, for, for uh, music videos. Right. So certain artists... Not only would you not be able to see their officially produced video on YouTube, but fully annoying if somebody uploads the song um, uh, for you know for their home video, uh, their video gets shut out or the music goes away, the soundtrack goes away, which is crazy. So I just did one, a real quick one from uh, from the cruise, and did a Black Eyed Peas song on there, which. Uh, would not be legal in Germany, apparently, but it's also it's a Sony Music one, so not that long ago, it would have not been possible to upload that song. Well, if you watch my little two-minute video, for most of the time that you're watching it, you have an ad there, click here to download and purchase and pay for this song. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that worth more money to, um, to Sony? Uh, and, you know, I, in the case you're bringing up Viacom, you know, to get this content out there and have people have... You, you know, get the word out and promote the show or promote parts of the show. You know, it's not all about protect and manage and hold back and restrict and and control. You know, the the, um, the way people watch it rather than make it available. You know, where they're for what's convenient to them. They just don't get that. It's it's you know that forces them to think outside their model, and they don't like doing that because it's been so profitable for all these years. And I mean, this is just a prime example of how they don't get it and um, stuff like this really kind of makes me cranky I have to say I just I agree with you Peter like who wouldn't do that but at the same time it's just it's annoying well it is annoying it's really annoying and like really use your brain for something else other than Litigation. Well, that's the part that's so frustrating. And it really highlights the, the sort of backwardness of, of both the, the, the copyright system, frankly, in this, this country and the, right. the litigation system in this country and the process you have to go through to protect your own copyrights. Like once you decide you want to secretly post your videos on the Internet, if you own those copyrights, you have to protect them vigorously or risk you know, losing them. It's like a, uh, it's like a trademark. Uh, and they, there is an, there is an issue there um, that you know prevents companies who otherwise may get it in the backroom, you know, kind of conversation, water cooler conversations. There are people who are working in the industry who are diligent and who understand that things are changing and who want to change, but can't quite figure out what the new model is that works. And it takes a lot of time. And in the in the process, you get these kinds of dumb decisions that are and that are being executed rather than working collaboratively and progressively to change the way these things work uh, and change the way the the copyright system works it's it's also protectivist that it it gets in the way of progress so something really bad happened in the music industry as a re, as a result of Napster and it's exactly what Megan just said you know they went from Okay, let's see what happens here. Let's sort of, you know, I mean, before Napster, like, well, we're not quite sure. And they still, you know, had this very predictable model of, you know, 
char- making sure every CD, regardless of quality, had a certain price tag to it or, you know, whatever. Um, and then Napster, and, and, and the response was litigation. Pure, mm-hmm. I mean, the RIA was, I mean, it was like throw public relations out the window, sue 12-year-old girls, you know, and, 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 and college students and grandma if they've shared 20 tracks. You know, it was litigation, like litigation or bust. And exactly to your point, Peter, it was sort of feeding into what I think is very problematic about the U.S. sort of copyright um, approach is protect, 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 because if you don't, you know, what can happen? I heard a guy in NPR, and I wish so. This was like a year ago, and now I can't remember the guy's name in the book or whatever. But um, but he he had done a whole uh, uh, background on the history of copyright in the U.S. Uh, and and talked about how like what a problem it is that um, there was an extension, I guess, a few years ago of these sort of um, legacy copyrights. Like for instance, you know, Walt Disney holding on to uh, Mickey Mouse, um, some things like that, or. Uh, some other, you know, where the family name kind of inherits. I know there's still, I think the Winnie the Pooh case is still in the courts. Like the daughters of daughter and former wife of A.A. A. Milne are trying to sue Disney for right. every dollar they've ever made on Winnie the Pooh. <clears throat> and it's really, he said, you know, back at the, the, the origination of copyrights, and they, they were really only supposed to last a few years. And, and, and the thinking about it was, <clears throat> let's not go overboard with this because we need competition and we need innovation. And if we do too much protecting like legacy protection, we'll reduce both innovation and competition. So, uh, you know, I think that's a really good point. I think the thing that kind of noodles at me about this whole thing, and I know we're kind of rat holing so we can move on, but the, the thing that gets in the way is once you go down the road of litigation, it stifles your own creativity too, right? It's not just that you're stifling the industry, because we know you're doing that. (laughs) But you are also letting that mindset get in the way of you being able to create the next Mickey Mouse. Uh, Either way, none of that really, uh, uh, (laughs) none of that really uh, um, uh, raises any sort of um, comparison to Holy Saturday. Yeah, exciting day. Oh, it's a big day. Anybody pre-ordered? Are you kidding? Oh, are you kidding? Really? Who are you talking to? Yeah. Who pre-ordered of the three of us? <laughs> Dane, did it's you? I will now for the 3GS, also in for more clients. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I did. I did pre-order. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of the, you know, I'll tell you why I pre-ordered, why I justified that I pre-ordered. Because the day of the announcement back in January, within a half hour of the news of the press release hitting the news sources online, I got a call from two clients saying, how do we get our content on the iPhone or on the iPad? And I said, "Okay, good. I can order an iPad because, you know, of course, I'll need one to test. Good idea. I know. Right. That was smart. Uh, You're and very smart. So and, and it don't, is coming. Nobody call Peter on Saturday. Yeah, don't. Don't text him. Often. Don't Skype him. I've got He's my, my office is is right by my front door of my house, and I've actually taken the screen off my front door so that I don't even have to walk around the hall to get <gasps> hear, the UPS. I hear Steve Wozniak is going to camp out for He fun. is at the Palo Alto store. for uh, he, goes, he goes out for fun. He's going to buy two. Oh, I heard uh, two or three, yeah. Yeah. So, I, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I don't think there's a whole lot more to say about it other than to acknowledge that it is Holy Saturday. The <laughs> iPad is coming out, and by Sunday, the entire universe will have changed uh, it on its orbit. 
So right, well, I think the day will have been shortened or lengthened. <laughs> right, we're going to charge you, Peter, with a full report. You will have a full report Indeed. next week. Indeed. I'm very, very excited about it, and and I think also we're going to get uh, some folks in the uh, publishing industry to come on and talk to us about uh, just briefly about you know the the fallout of the the iPad. There's a, a Smashwords is a great service, and it allows you to. Uh, they have announced a service where if you they they allow you to publish e your ebook. Your book is an ebook, and they've added a premier catalog. For for free, where you can, uh, you know, as long as you have the the up to snuff copyright statement and and book art, you can actually get your book into the iBook store, your own ebook, self published for free, nice. and they just take a percentage wow. of the sale. Wow! Um, and That's great. you know, in terms of an enabling technology to get authors read. Uh, you know, and it's not just the iPad. I mean, Smashwords, they announced that they'll get you into the Kindle store, they'll get you into the iPad store, they'll get you everywhere. Uh, but but that's a big deal that people are talking about, you know, kind of the next plateau of self-publishing and, and enabling that kind of content creation. And, and just a quick point here, because <clears throat> we are moving on, but yeah. um, I, I, I think it goes back to the whole thing about, you know, what we're not talking about right now is amazing new technology that's, you know, this this new piece of equipment that's doing things we've never heard of before per se. It's right. the applications. It's the way it's being used. Um, it, it, those are the things that really will change. I, I mean, it's obviously it, it needs to be facilitated by this innovation, which, but it's just, it's, it's not like really new stuff. It's kind of an oversized, you know, iPod touch more or less, but just that just does change everything right. in terms of the applications. It's, it's a gateway drug, you know, I mean, it's the it's the enabler and it's not just the enabler for Apple. Right. I think people get lost in the Apple fanboyism. I'm you know, I'm, I'm certainly a fan, but that's not why I'm excited about this, you know, from the perspective of the industry. I think it's in terms of self-publishing and for businesses to get their ebooks and their content out in a substantive way. In, on many platforms, what the iPad has done is created a fervor around these sorts of devices. Yeah, it's that, it's not up to Apple now no. to make all kinds no. of amazing things happen. No, it's frankly, really up it's, to it's up to Android. It's up to it's up to Google. It's up to you know. It's not really up to you know Nokia anymore. They're, <laughs> I don't really think <laughs> about them, but but you know, I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. Anyway. So, so that's it's a very perfect exciting. segue, I think, talking about applications to the Starbucks Target um, discussion about paying for your Starbucks at Target with your iPhone by just flashing your iPhone. So this was the news this past week that Starbucks, the mobile iPhone application, um, can be used to buy your coffee at a Target location that sells Starbucks, obviously, but that you just flash your, um, you know, using this app, you flash some sort of barcode up and Target's readers can read it at, what was it, Peter, a thousand locations? Yeah, a thousand I think it's targets? a thousand, a thousand Target locations with Starbucks inside them. Exactly. So, um, I, I personally, I mean, this in and of itself isn't all that exciting. I'm just interested to see where this is going to go as far as point of sale purchase and iPhones because there have been there have been things going on for years now that haven't been adopted widely in the United States from thumbprint scanners to universal card scanners that people just aren't I don't know we're not picking up on it so I'm interested to see if if an iPhone app is more friendly to people that um you know point of sale checkout will be handled without an actual card in the right. future Right, and who's going to get it right? Um, it's uh, it's one of those things that uh, uh, you know. It's been feeling like we've needed to catch up. I mean, in, in 
I, it's been years since I've been to Asia, but you know, uh, what I hear now is you're, you know, for years you've been able to pay for at vending machines with your phone. You know, why why is it taken so long for us to get past that veil of cynicism, or at least approach the veil of cynicism um, to get to that point? And and again, now I have the same argument. I don't think it has anything really to do as much with the iPhone, but with developers being willing and retail outlets being willing to take that next step. Uh, uh, one of the great companies in this space that's in, in a private beta right now is Square. Uh, it's another iPhone application. Uh, you can find information about them at squareup.com. And for, you know, I think it's a couple of bucks. You buy this little tiny square uh, dongle that you plug into your headphone jack. And the dongle is, uh, it's a, a card reader, a credit card reader. And with the free Square app and a free Square account, you can take credit cards on your iPhone by just sliding it through the dongle and uh, having your uh, the, the payer just sign their name with their finger. Right Does it iPhone. link to your bank account? Is that how they're doing it? You know, I'm not sure the details. I've signed up for a for a um, uh, an account to get some more information when they start expanding the beta, but I I still have not been granted the account. My understanding is it's it, it's essentially like a PayPal sort of a thing. They mm -hmm. take a little cut. That's what pays the service, but you don't have to have a merchant account. You don't have with a bank, which can be very expensive and a huge pain in the butt to yeah. get. I will tell you, those card readers are a big pain. Yeah. Huge. For a small business, for, and expensive. I mean, think about you know farmers markets. Think about you know these kinds of yeah, small businesses totally. that that uh, you know galleries and and uh, shops that that you know they could save a lot of money and be really sort of flex more flexible in in customer service or marketing consultants right. that occasionally their clients want to pay them with credit cards. That's that's <laughs> right. Not to put too fine a point on it. Uh, I think it's a fascinating uh, development, but it's one to keep an eye on, and we'll, we'll watch. And you guys, I mean, if you have a Target with a Starbucks, go use it. I don't. I don't know I where don't the nearest I don't think I do either. Is. I'm telling so. you, I think they're all in the southeast. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's what we have. Uh, what was our? What's our next story? It's a Google story. I think Dane should talk about this. Story. All right, Dane. You should talk about <laughs> I don't know much about it, uh, but it is April Fool's Day. So um, that's the starting point, right? Um, right? And Google today has renamed Google. If you go to Google.com, uh, the Google logo is uh, now Topeka, which is uh, as in Topeka, Kansas. And the reason for that is, uh, as many people I think know, Google is, is uh, currently looking to select, I don't know whether it's a city or certain cities. I don't think they've um, made any mention on, on how many that they might select, but uh, places to create super high-speed bandwidth. Apparently, uh, America is actually quite behind in comparison to a lot of other um, developed nations and, and even some undeveloped nations in terms of the, uh, the bandwidth that the average user uh, has access to. So um, they, you know, higher bandwidth is, is um, good for Google. Uh, it's good for advertisers. It's good for content developers. You know, it's good all the way around uh, in terms of moving the web forward. So they, they want to sort of force... Uh, competition, uh, force the hand of some of the semi-monopolies, I guess, in certain markets, um, uh, and and create some movement towards some um, greater bandwidth speed. So, cities are lining up and doing everything that they can uh, to 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 uh, get picked by Google and Topeka uh, in a little um, uh, what. Uh, <laughs> Uh, not a gambit, but y y whatever. Uh, a PR a, stunt. A, a PR stunt. There it is. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> 
It's the snow. We have snow here today. Um, in a PR stunt, they changed their name. The name of the of, of Topeka became Google for a day. So that kind of went and and uh, whatever. It made was, national. Was probably news, big news in Topeka, but I'm not no, sure. Where it made it national, national news. Did, oh, okay. All right. Well, it's not the same as tattooing a online casino on your forehead, but. Um, Did you that do that, one, Dane? No, that happened in Utah, though. Woman got ten grand for that. I'm sure. Good it, for her. Oh, it I'm not, sure it bought, it bought her meth for about a year, I think. Anyways, um, wow. <laughs> sad, sad side note. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, Google for April Fool's Day is Topeka, and great for Topeka, right? I mean, Megan was just all like, wow. You know, as PR moves go, and Megan's brain works this way, PR, look what happened here. Topeka, even if they don't get selected, they now are on the map uh, in a lot of ways because the whole idea um, for a city like Topeka to get higher bandwidth isn't, wow, we want our teenagers to play more online video games. The, the idea is we want business to relocate here and we want business to see us as, uh, as progressive and internet friendly and having you know, a great infrastructure. Um, so uh, even just the fact that Topeka has put their foot forward and said, we, we desperately are, are wanting that and moving in that direction, I think says, you know, to maybe a few companies, okay, so Topeka's not asleep. Well, <laughs> they're, you know, they're, they're at least thinking in this direction, right? <laughs> There's some benefit there. Well, well I, I'm just, I'm impressed with the fact that not only did Google, 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 Google t- change its logo today, but when you click on the Topeka logo, as Peter astutely figured out, you go to the Google blog and they Peter's have changed way. their Figured signage that. on campus to Topeka for the day. Um, and I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Sorry, yeah, it's, I'm just excited about it. <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> yeah, I think it, it, it's, it's funny. Nice... I mean, they've got this proper Topeka usage. Before our blind date, I did a Topeka search on him. Before our blind date, I Topeka'd him. <laughs> the best one is the last fun. one. I, I Topeka'd him with Alta Vista. <laughs> That's a non-example. <laughs> don't, don't three. Don't, don't ever do that. That's awesome. That, uh, that I, is I mean, hilarious. That's just awesome publicity for them. So not only do they have the original publicity stunt of "Hey, we changed our name to Google." When was that? That was, gosh, I feel like that was last year. No, yeah, early last, last was, month. Sorry, yeah, last month. So. so, not only did they have that national news, now they have Google reciprocating on April Fool's Day. I just, I just think it's great. Well, so the the uh, ultra high speed um, the the um, the requests are closed. Google is reviewing them, and I'm sad to say that it doesn't look like there were enough um, enough requests from any of the Portland suburbs uh, to really make it on the map. But you can really see there's a there's a map if you look at the. Um, I'm trying to look at the page. We'll put it in the show notes. You can actually go see the map of responses. Uh, hmm. by this, the number of people. It's a little bubble chart by the number of people from each geography. And you can see, like, in the Midwest, there are a lot, a lot of really significant community and government uh, responses, too, that want to be a part of this. So, um, anyway, it says a lot very about cool. the need for high-speed Internet. So I think it's, yeah, uh, it's, very cool. it's looking good right now. Um, now, I think we need to dig into our interview. Now, it's a little bit special. We had, uh, we, we, we did this interview last night uh, because uh, our our guest couldn't be here today. Uh, Dane, do you want to talk a little bit about our guest? He's sort of your, yeah, your compadre, well, right? Yeah, and uh, um, yeah, I can't wait to get into the interview. Dave, Dave is a, an old friend of mine. He and I met um, 
He actually was, uh, I met him one night when I was, I was in high school, uh, or it was like right after high school. And I, I played in a band and, um, uh, my girlfriend came to the show and I wondered who this guy was that was trying so desperately to pick up on her. Uh, and it, it was Dave Olson. Um, so, so that's how we met. We, we met, um, because he was really kind of annoyingly trying to pick up on my girlfriend. We both laugh about that quite a bit now, but anyway, we had a great day. He, uh, his brother is Bob. And it was always like Bob and Dave, the Canadians, as in Bob and Doug, right, uh, right. which they played that joke really well back then. Um, so really fun guy. We've had a, a great history together. And he's uh, very, very active up in Vancouver, B.C., uh, in the social media community and uh, uh, new media and has been for quite some time um, uh, back uh, going, I don't know how far back, 10, 15 years ago or something to Olympia, Washington, when he was uh, involved with an ISP there and some other things and web build, building businesses. So. Uh, and currently is uh, the marketing director for Hootsuite. So he's uh, – uh, and last show uh, did a little um, uh, piece from uh, South by Southwest for us. So hopefully we can uh, have him on a few other times. Dave does a whole lot, has a lot of different podcasts uh, running, and um, it, it really is just incredibly active. So um, you know, so, so uh, he's kind of a, an inspiration as far as um, – taking real advantage of, uh, you know, the opportunity to get your, your voice out there and, and, uh, yours and, or, uh, your, your organizations. He is, uh, it was a terrific interview and I'm, I'm sorry to say Megan was at a basketball game and couldn't actually be a part of it. So this will be news to you too. I know. Can't wait to hear it. Yeah. He's, he was great. So, uh, so at, with that, take it away, uh, Dave Olson and Pete and Dane. I'm a little bit starstruck, and I know, Dane, you are equally starstruck because we, as geeks, we are uh, big fans of, uh, our, of the tool that our next guest represents. We've got Dave Olson. He is the uh, marketing director for Hootsuite, our new very favorite social media tool. Am I right? You're right here. I'm, uh, you know, I'm super excited to have Dave on, but uh, I have a hard time being starstruck by the man. <laughs> oh, that's good. Let's <laughs> let's start by insulting him. That's we, we, great. We no, just no, go no, back Dave, way Dave. too far for that. <laughs> I've I've seen Dave naked in too many places. Oh no, really? Well, We're it still... is the naked marketers. Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a treat. It's a treat to be here, guys. I had a great time. Uh, you know, sending up uh, my remarks about Austin and and catching up a little bit on your back catalog. And I, you know, I think it's great what you're doing to really. Get, you know, um, have this discourse about marketing that's a little bit renegade style. So that just suits me fine. Well, that's perfect, man. That's why we're 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 just thrilled to have you as a voice in the field here. And so we we've got a whole bunch of things to talk about, um, and uh, you know, related to what you do and community and Twitter and all those kinds of things. And and uh, I don't know, Dane, where where do you want to kick it off? I'd I'd like to kick it off, Dave, if we could maybe talk a little bit about uh, Northern Voice coming up. Um, uh, up there in, at uh, the UBC campus in in uh, Vancouver. Oh, yeah. Is this the obligatory uh, plug? Is that what we're doing? Well, it's not really a plug. It's really um, kind of a neat thing. And you know, I'm not on the organizing committee or doing anything. But uh, you know, I go around to a lot of conferences. Of course, we just talked about South by Southwest, and I go to Gnome every year. And and uh, you know, I've been to the TEDx's and stuff. But my favorite conference every year is this little one that's put on by a community up here in Vancouver called Northern Voice. And uh, I spoke at it the last uh, four years, and it's kind of where I really kind of uh, like the talk I gave at South by Southwest, I did it first at Northern Voice, so it's a great 
uh, audience, but there's a great social media scene going on up here in, in Vancouver. But they're kind of doing a neat thing, and the reason I wanted to bring it up is they're doing some travel bursaries, some travel scholarships for $500 Canadian, which is basically $500 American these days, if you guys oh. haven't noticed. Yeah, oh, we've, oh, we've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so you can, uh, 500 bucks, and you can get your way up here to Vancouver. The conference itself is very inexpensive, and uh, it's a great opportunity. So if anyone's looking out there and they want to kind of crash course on all this social media stuff, there's some uh, uh, top of the tribe up here in Vancouver, and, and, uh, and plus, plus it's about the lovely city, you know, right oh, up there yeah. with Portland anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> Dave, what, what makes Northern Voice uh, so special for you? I mean, you've, uh, as somebody who hits all the conferences and, and you know, South by Southwest, what, what really sets it apart? Why is it so special? I think it's because people are really going all out to do a, you know, uh, to really prepare and, and go all out for their presentation. A lot of times when you go to these big conferences, people just kind of have their formula talk and they've done it 20 times in the last month and it just kind of gets to be a routine. But this is kind of people coming straight up uh, from the trenches and, uh, and laying it out. Like last year, the keynote was Stuart Butterf- Butterfield, who mm-hmm. uh, was from Vancouver and started Flickr and now his uh, time with Yahoo is done. He's back in Vancouver and he's a uh, He's been an elusive dude, and he came out and spoke because it's uh, uh, a real, uh, relatively small, tight community, and people can really feel kind of comfortable to lay it all out there, I think. Is Hootsuite, uh, I assume Hootsuite's going to have a big organizational presence there? It's in the backyard there of the company? Uh, no, not necessarily. Not really? uh, um, you know, I'll probably speak on some panels and stuff, but, you know, as a company, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, Hootsuite has to, you know, we, we, we have a... Um, well, how do I say this gently? Like, uh, we don't spend a lot of money on our marketing, right? <laughs> um, we spend a lot of um, uh, time outreach into our community, and we spend a lot of time amplifying the media messages about us. But as far as uh, sponsoring events, we, you know, we support events by going up and contributing and supporting by speaking and stuff like that. But, um, you know, there'll be some of the, the folks that go down. But you also got to keep in mind that, you know, at Hootsuite, there's, uh, most most people are uh, kind of in the crystal cave of solitude, co- writing code, and aren't really out and about at those kind of things. And so that's yeah. kind of my role. And we kind of have a, a very small contingent of people who are doing things besides building product. It's a very product specific company. Sure, sure. And, well, I think spe- it's and, and speaking of being in the crystal cave, uh, Dave, I mean, my. Uh, uh, just to, to throw this out here is so we can post it and, and get it in and, and make sure uh, the folks at Northern Voice see this by their deadline on the 1st. I need to put in my plug for uh, you know my, my desperate need here to get a hold of one of these uh, travel scholarships. Um, being in the, in, the, in, this, in the desert landscape of Utah, Pete, you're, you're lucky to be in a very vibrant, active uh, uh, community there in, Port, in Portland. Um, you know, and, and Dave up in uh, Vancouver, where you know both those communities have a whole lot of things going on, a lot of ways to connect. Uh, uh, just this vibrant community of social media uh, in Salt Lake, we we, we just don't <laughs> quite have that. There I am in Utah, and uh, and I'm doing dying hard to get time, up there. man. Doing hard time. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to get back to the land of milk and honey, baby. Yeah, yeah. Beer, well, all I can say, Dan, the social is, community is is you know, minimal. <laughs> Consider yourself endorsed by me to be a fine candidate for the Northern Voice Travel Scholarship. I think you'd be a fine addition to the conference. Because you, uh, you certainly aren't shy about running, running your mouth out about opinions in public, <laughs> so I know, I know that much. So I think that alone uh, will make you a fine candidate for attendance. And, and however much I need to talk about, you know, how poor I am, uh, you know, I guess... <laughs> 
<laughs> we don't have to go into details, but I'm a poor well, minimum man. Minimum wage in Utah is still three thirty-five an hour, I think, isn't it? Yeah, they, yeah, we're, we're we're not on we're not on the Northwest plan. And that and that's for school teachers. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so 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 enough about me, right, I guess. A, a ringing um, endorsement for Northern Voice. <laughs> Uh, and you know what, Pete? I, yeah. I think that segues. You had had, uh, before we um, uh, brought Dave on, uh, something you wanted to really discuss. I thought it was a great place to, to start with Dave is just that, that whole discussion about community. Yeah, you know, you know I'll, I'll tell you where this started for me and, and why I think this is just perfect for you, David. We, I had... Mm-hmm. Uh, I had coffee with another photographer in town today, and and you know we were we were talking social media, and, and uh, um, you know she's she had this really interesting uh, kind of take on it that she has her business, which is one entity, and she has her personal life, which is another, and and the direction of our conversation was, look, I mean, here's a here's your business, and as big brands are sort of saturating the market with uh, with so much paid media, even in in a flagging economy. Uh, the 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 messages that stand out and the businesses that stand out are those that that really are reaching for this new level of intimacy with their clients, and uh, you know that it's it's my impression. I'm interested in in your take on it. What is the importance of community for businesses right now, and and uh, and and for developing the, these new tools and new ways to communicate? Well, I think it really comes down to culture, and for a company or a brand or an organization or whatever you want to call it to be successful, there has to be um, a culture developed around it. And the culture is only a culture if it's operating and going on without you being involved in it. So you have to give up a significant amount of control and treat your customers in an entirely different way than you did traditionally. Uh, in business where there was kind of a distant relationship and you do have to, you know, intimacy is a good word, but, you know, because it implies the risk that companies feel about revealing too much of themselves, giving a little bit, uh, giving a little bit of leeway and uh, letting people see in, uh, see into the company a little bit more. And it's a little bit disconcerting for companies, but at the same time, everyone's learning now that if you're not paying attention and not participating in the conversation, it's going to go on anyway and you're just going to lose control over it. So at a minimum, companies have to be prepared to um, acknowledge the stuff that something's going on and at a minimum start paying attention to what people are saying about them online. Now, you uh, uh, tell me a little bit about your role at Hootsuite in this regard. I mean, you, you say that uh, Hoot doesn't spend a whole lot of, of, of money on marketing. That, that puts an awful lot on your shoulders. And, and, uh, and so and how I, do you build I, your strategy kind of Relatively there? speaking, because I of see course. what other companies are spending down at uh, – you know, for these things, our just yeah. our just strategies is very different than that. But yeah, go ahead with your question. I'm well, sorry. that was that was the question. I mean, how do you go about building a, a building your uh, marketing strategy around getting the word out about this uh, about this incredible tool? Uh, as an example, the same person I was having a, a coffee with today, the first thing she said uh, was, uh, you know, I, we were talking about Twitter, and I said, you know, I, I really the utility of Twitter has gone up since I started using these better tools. And she said, yeah, I just downloaded this new one. What's it called? Hoot. Hoot Deck, I think. No, it's not Hoot Deck. It's not Hoot Deck. Someone should register that domain, though. <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick, get on that one. It's eh? a good yes, idea. Seriously, right? So, uh, well, you know, yeah. first of all, and I, I kind of alluded to this talking about the developers. For me, like, um, while I've only joined the company in the last uh, uh, in the last quarter or so, um, I was beta user from the first week of the product, and I knew they were onto something special because, you know, for me, working in the trenches with other internet startups. 
uh, I realized the importance of following along at everything and knowing everything that people are talking about you. And by diving in that conversation, you amplify um, and, um, and kind of reflect, uh, you know, by talking about other people, you reflect the glory a little bit back on, on yourself. And so really where I put my efforts is where my core skills are, which are copywriting and media outreach. And I, tell, I go out there and I tell the story and, and I make the story, uh, I find the bits of the story that are interesting to tell for other people and that makes it easy, and then I make it really easy for them to tell that. I have a great media kit, the press releases aren't, aren't written like press releases. Um, uh, you know, they don't have the obligatory, I'm really excited quote by the CEO, half the thing isn't about us, it's all about our customers and what this will do for them. Uh, you know, there's tons of fans who make uh, videos and instructional videos and stuff, and I go and talk about them and comment about them. Every time a company or a, a blog or a newspaper writes about us, whether it's, um, you know, some up-and-comers blog or the Wall Street Journal, we acknowledge them and we outreach to them and thank them for hanging out and expressing their opinion. Even the people who have strong opinions that we um, that might not be entirely positive, we try and engage with them. And uh, so it's a lot of one-on-one -on -one engagement and amplifying the success stories and also really framing and telling the story. But again, the developers, they're making this awesome tool. So I've marketed a lot of Internet kind of products, and this one's by far the most fun because, um, because it's the right idea and it's something that people really want. So that obviously makes my job way funner. Yeah, I imagine it's uh, uh, more fun than, you know, steak knives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I, it's I mean, nice to market nothing. a product that works. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I've been doing nothing but uh, marketing web uh, stuff since, uh, since I first saw the Internet in the summer of 1995 on the island of Guam. Uh, with the day Jerry Garcia died, the next day I was at a class learning about the Internet and completed a new thing now that couldn't follow the Grateful Dead. And, and uh, since 1996, I've been doing nothing but Internet marketing professionally. Um, and really, it goes back to the same core things I've done with every job I've had going back to my first one for um, a local ISP in Olympia, Washington, where we put on great user appreciation parties every year. And just by having those one-on-one -on -one touches and showing people a good time and acknowledging the fact that they're providing for your livelihood and your existence is incredibly powerful, more so than giving away little plastic tchotchkes at uh, South by Southwest, you know, which was just companies spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on plastic crap to give you, yeah. where we took a very different approach. And it was all about... Uh, building relationships, finding out what people need, seeing what we can do to help them, and uh, like truly, uh, truly uh, ex uh, acknowledging the fact that they're part of our culture. And well, and I, I, to it. I love what you're saying there, Dave, because this is this really kind of points to the, the what we try to keep a somewhat consistent theme uh, with the Naked Marketer Show is, you know, there are these great tools. Uh, there's a there's this fascinating wonderful world of new media and, and there's a whole lot to learn and a lot uh you know for companies and and you know to sort of revamp their marketing strategies and and get involved to get their website promoted and and in a lot of ways it's a whole new world and and you know there's there's a lot to learn but in other ways it's the same old thing and, and it yep. and it and it always boils down to relationships and uh, and the things that have always worked we're just using new tools to make those things to apply those things they, yep, they, don't, they don't make up for relationships. Yeah, yep. exactly. And, Perfect. And really, when I, when I see all this new stuff that we call uh, new media and blogs or whatever, right? Like, for me, uh, ever since I was a kid, I've made Ditto Machine newsletters, punk rock fanzines, poetry chapbooks. And Dane can even attest to some of this stuff that we did back at uh, 
a forsaken community college years ago as, uh, <laughs> as, as underage high school dropouts. Um, it was always up to some kind of arts and crafts. In fact, we started, um, geez, uh, should I tell them about our club that we started? At, at yeah, the, the, uh, the Long Hairs Club. Yeah, we... Um, oh, this is rich. So, I can so, already as tell. As you might expect, Utah's a pretty conservative environment, right? And we found at our community college that you could get... Uh, there was student funding that we were all paying into every quarter for student activity kind of stuff. So to get access to this funding and access to the school facilities, because um, we saw the, um, the religious student clubs getting access to all these facilities, like, why can't we use this? And they're like, well, you've got to do this club. So we went through all, jumped through all the hoops and went through all the process to start the long hairs clubs. <laughs> you didn't have to have long hair, but we had the booth set up in the, in the thing. And, and we but had Dave had the longest hair on campus. <laughs> and, it, and we had this whole initiation ritual that people had to go through in the hallway, and they had to pay us like five bucks or something to join the club. And there was no we, benefit for joining the club except you got this <laughs> awesome certificate, and well, you got this little, like a little beaded wristband or something. Yeah, we, we, did, uh, we did red, golden, and... Uh, <laughs> Red, gold, and green beads on a leather wristband, and we, we had to shake them with the left hand and whip them over the shoulder with a, a horse hair. <laughs> and there was nothing to it except people want to belong to stuff, right? I mean, this goes back to, um, you know, building this culture where uh, if you have some message and some interesting story, people want to be part of that story. And so our story was that we were the, the non-religious, the one non-religious student club. And it was, a little, it was more of a statement and, and saying that, we're here and we're doing something different than it was that they were expressing affinity for some sort of greater belief that we, we were or weren't espousing. And, and I think if I'm right, Dave, if I remember right, the, the thing that the uh, student body presidency got so excited about was just the fact that, wow, a social club that's not a religious club. Yeah, we, yeah. We're diverse. And, well, <laughs> but just a social club. Like, hey, you know, we, we're trying to do that. Like, we'd love more social clubs on this campus. You know, they're not happening. And, you know, you guys are taking a funky approach, but it's what we need. And the other thing we figured out on top of what Dave's saying about people wanting to belong, which is, you know, what, a, what an amazing core principle to grab a hold of and understand and, and utilize. But the other thing is, as they belong, you know, if you're the person uh, that's helping register these people and, and some of them are, are a lot prettier than others, so some <laughs> women. <laughs> yeah, well, you, now the truth comes out. Oh, put a this little is star dark. next to their name, and then they're the first to be called for activities. So Yeah, yeah. You well, guys, you guys launched profiling. That's fan, that's <laughs> incredible. Oh yeah, yeah. And, oh, we had some great, uh, yeah, I, but we did it in the Xerox in the Xerox culture, and I worked at the school library so I could get access to the Xerox copier. And really, everything that we do for marketing now using these web tools, it's just cheaper and easier and more trackable. Because now, you know, when we, you know, when you go out and have a rock and roll band, and you get put posters around, you put in a, a listing in the on the Arts and Entertainment Weekly, you tell your friends, but you didn't know where where people were actually the people actually showed up. You didn't know how they got there. Now with web, you can know exactly where the people clicked, where they, how they got to that place. You can find out everything about your customer base or the people who are coming to your site or whatever. So it's a whole other thing, and it's free or cheap. You don't even have to pay the five cents a copy anymore. It's cheaper than that. And the next step, if you're doing it right with that information, is <clears throat> instead of just saying like, wow, hey, we got this data, cool, is to say, these are our, this is our audience. Let's understand our audience and let's, you know, now that we know a little bit more about where they came from and who they are, uh, you know, let's do something to reach out to them and, and um, take that next step sort of coming back. We, you know, it, it's sort of like you take the listening and, uh, you know, you instead of just speaking out, um, you know, you, you, part of the, part of the, uh, 
the process now and includes a lot more listening to your audience and well, being you know, able to I, connect. I think, I think that's a really interesting point, Dane. I mean, it gets back to what Dave just said a minute ago, this idea of storytelling, which is, uh, you know, I think the world at large is, is probably more interested in stories about how people are using your product than about you telling people how to use your product. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this, a, a great example of that is Wall Street Journal called us, and they're like, we want to talk about businesses, small businesses using social media for good or having success with it. And so I pointed them to a couple of our customers, and, including John Fluvog Shoes, the shoemaker up here in Vancouver, and they talked to uh, Wall Street Journal, had a great write-up in the Wall Street Journal, and talked glowingly about us. So because they're, they're the ones out there in the forefront, they're, all, they're loving the attention, and we're able to, rather than saying, oh, yeah, we're a great tool, what an awesome thing we are, we have a customer out there saying, this is what we've used it for, and this is the success, success that we had with it. So uh, let's, uh, you know, we've got a lot of people who, uh, you know, uh, of the five people who listen to the show, uh, three of them. Oh don't, sell, oh, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, the, the, uh, I, I want to have you talk a little bit to the folks who don't, uh, don't live online, as, as many of us do. Because as we, you know, as we said, using the right tool for the right job, that's, you know, that's, it's important not to get jaded by all the new shiny you know, web two-and-a-half things. But, but how, do you, how could you translate all of what we're talking about and help people make that transition, help organizations make that transition if they don't necessarily live online? They're still using a traditional, uh, you know, traditional ad or marketing channel approach. And, and how do they engage their customers in an authentic way if they don't know how to use the web? Well, I think it starts from, um, have you guys ever seen the old Canadian movie Strange Brew, the Bob and Doug McKenzie movie? Yeah, I've um, seen that uh, one or a thousand times. Yeah, maybe okay. thirty. Two one of the, one right. of the most. So remember the part classics. of that where Brewmaster von Smythe, whenever he's feeling down, he says, "Light up the map." Right. Right, right. And so he wants this thing that is like a quick representation of success or a quick representation. They want that instant feedback, right? Mm -hmm. And people are using these traditional marketing channels right now. They're not really able to measure stuff, but they get a charge from here and there golf buddy said, oh, yeah, I drive by your billboard every day, man. I think of you every day. That's great. Oh, I heard you're out on the radio. So a lot of their, advice, their reaction is anecdotal, right? But what I think that is a really great way for people to understand, because when they get a report that says, we had 300 mentions of our company this week online, right? It doesn't mean anything. It's 300. It's a number. So I think you've got to light up the map for Brewmaster Von Smythe and, uh, and show some kind of feed, you know, uh, you know, one of the cool tricks that you can do with Hootsuite that people don't know and I just haven't really had a chance to talk about it much is if you go to Hootsuite.com slash feed slash whatever, you know, alpacas, naked marketers, whatever, it will just give you like a kind of a, um, a continually streaming uh, ticker of all mentions of that tag. It's like just a big giant column of them. But if you put that on people's screens, if they don't know anything about the web, they don't care, they don't even have an email address, if you put that up there with their brand name, and they want to sit there and watch that for 10 minutes and see all these people are out there talking about their customers, about their company. That's not 300 anonymous digits. That's 300 people who are expressing an opinion. And you can't help but to have an emotional reaction to that. And also, from a business standpoint, anyone who's in the position of business influence should realize immediately that not only is the word of mouth marketing, that's really important, but people out there talking about your company, um, if you have someone out there participating, that can be thwarting all sorts of public relations uh, disasters. So I think by breaking it down to the simplest parts and showing this is what people are saying, and then, you know, sometimes when I do demonstrations for, you know, presentations, 
I'll say, just put in your company's name. And great, oh, look at what all these things are saying about our company. That's really interesting. We can see that. And you say, well, forget that. You can now put in your competitor's name, see what they're all saying about your competitors. Now, let's say you want, you know, you're in the alpaca llama business, and you want to search for anyone who's saying the words alpaca and feed in the same Twitter message or whatever. And I don't know how much traffic there is on this. So I don't know how good an example it is, but all of a sudden, but it's a great these, example. All, each of these is a new prospective customer, and they're out there talking about this thing I'm passionate about. So a lot of times, people start start on Twitter and they go at a few people, and then they're like, "None of my friends are here. What's this?" And I tell people, don't follow people, follow topics. Just put in search words that you're interested in, and you'll find all these communities, and that's the people to follow. Don't follow your people just because. You know them in real life. Those aren't the people to follow. You want to follow people who are into obscure 18th century Russian literature that live all over the world, not in your neighborhood. That's the whole reason you're online is to meet people outside of your neighborhood, probably. All right. First so, of all, that this I, I'm looking at this uh, this Hootsuite.com/slash/feed/slash/you-know-foo, and it's it's awesome. It's like practically magical. How cool is that? Yeah, it's kind of a cool little hack, and uh, you know, I I, uh, I just have. A, <laughs> Uh, I guess I should give it a name and, and tell people about it more, right. but uh, when we go to conferences, another, you know, uh, we're doing another event here in Vancouver at Five Expo next week, and uh, Malcolm Gladwell, uh, who's uh, secretly Canadian, wow. is coming to speak, and, nice. uh, but we're, doing, we're sponsoring the, the feed for that, so at each of the presentations, we'll have that just tracking the uh, back channel hashtag for the conference, That's uh, and as well as in each of the panels, they'll have a unique hashtag that that, uh, that uh, Hootsuite feed will then just uh, flow through, and people can watch it on the big LCD monitors. And when you see people in the audience do it, you know, when you, when you know your message is going to be up there and part of the conversation, sort of part of the public record, that all of a sudden is fun, you know? Sure, and sure. And at conferences now, it used to be rude to be like, oh, you, all these people are looking down at their phone, they must be bored. No, if they're looking down at their phone, it means they're Twittering their friends going, man, I'm listening to a great panel, or right, right. this guy sucks, or whatever. And, um, you know, and you guys have likely been to enough conferences to know that the back channel uh, can really becomes part of the presentation. It's sort of right. like this, right. this narrative voice. Right. It's like the uh, the voiceover. It's like a voiceover soundtrack to the <laughs> to the talk itself. Well, Bob's struggling a little bit here, but he made an interesting point about uh, monetization. And oops, he just said the word synergy. Everyone drink. <laughs> well, all right. So you. It's- Dave, you know what I love about what you're saying, uh, and I just want to jump out here with this real quick, Pete. But um, you're talking about, you know, getting out in front of, um, you know, crisis management, essentially, like you, you know, preempting that with, you know, this community engagement and and, um, you know, going after, uh, I guess, top topics and communities and and um, and building that way. And I'm thinking, you know, like I've taught uh, college level PR PR courses before and marketing classes, and and you know. Uh, the text, um, the PR class I taught was a little while ago, um, a few years ago, and it was really kind of like, oh, this is a developing, evolving field. It had nothing, nothing about social media in there. But the whole history of the whole history yeah, you of might PR, well scratch that whole thing, man. Oh, completely. But but the but the whole history of PR, you know, from the textbook standpoint was, well, it started as crisis management. You know, PR as a as an occupation or as a career um, is it really developed out of companies needing to manage crises and there's whole chapters on it you know and and uh and there are still companies i think where you know lawyers might be involved somewhere in that whole uh, pr department and and it is all about control the message and and manage the crisis and and this is really just the 
light years ahead of that um, that well, thinking. You know what's so what really is so beautiful about it, and I think if at least for me, if if you could encapsulate it in this one message, what I hear you saying, Dave, is that you know there is a discussion going on about your brand somewhere, somewhere <laughs> yep. someone is talking about you. And uh, and it is your job, really, to do due diligence and enter that conversation some yep. way. Absolutely. Yeah, you're really selling yourself short. And, you know, in the, at the root of capitalism, you're doing your shareholders a disservice by not being out there participating in the conversation or, or at an absolute minimum knowing everything that's being said about your company. And, and I don't mean, you know, getting Google News alerts. You know, I mean actually using tools. And there's great free tools out there where you can know every nuance and every bit of conversation going on in the web uh, so at least you have all the information so you can uh, be prepared to respond or prepared to participate when needed. Well, However, let's, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. When, go ahead. when you've done your job at community building and building your culture best, before you even have to do anything, people have jumped in and diffused and discussed and done a lot of the trench work for you. Uh, you know, if someone's... Um, Talk, uh, uh, how do I say this gingerly? When someone's talking smack about your company out there publicly, uh, if if you're uh, if you've done your job right, people will be chiming in on your behalf. And so again, you don't have to go in and uh, be talking about yourself. Um, other people are doing it for you. Um, but you have to at least, at a minimum, be aware of what's out there because without intelligence, you're totally dead in the water. We uh, we are you know we're running up to the end of our time here, but you mentioned uh, that that there are some some great tools that I that you use and and techniques that you use to keep in touch with that discussion that's going on about Hootsuite and that you've used in in your career. I would love it if you'd share some of those with our audience and and, and let's talk a little bit about how you use them and 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 Pete, can I just yeah. can, and I think that, that one of the contexts that you know for for your question, Dave and I talked about this a little while ago. Uh, in communicating with Dave over the last couple of weeks, I've noticed that uh, email is a very ineffective way to get a hold of Dave. He's doing he's doing almost all of his communication in, uh, through Twitter, and not just direct messaging, but wide out in the open. Uh, personal conversations are happening uh, for Dave anyway. Um, it, really, in a public space, and the way to get a hold of him, it really is through using Twitter. And I think uh, I. It's the only guy I know who's doing it that way. So, um, yeah, so I, tell I, us, tell us how I'm that's very happening. Interested in that, how that's working for you? Okay, well, I'll I'll start with kind of my little recipe for putting up uh, listening dashboards. Um, and you know, really, one of the masters of this uh, craft is another Portlander, Amber Case, is, is uh, has strong kung fu in this area. So I'll give a nod to her. But um, you know, at the bare minimum, people put get the email alerts of Google News alerts, but that's just barely scratching the surface. So what I do is I go to a few different search tools, including Social Mention, that uh, socialmention.com, which scours like the deep forgotten corners of the Internet that people forgot about, things like forums, comment strings, guest books, stuff like that, where there's a huge amount of traffic that still goes on in those things. Um, and I aggregate searches from there, those because they're uh, both for the company name, mis popular misspellings of the name, uh, Hootsuit is very popular. Hootsuite, like the candy, is very popular <laughs> of a misspelling. Plus, uh, different key phrases that we use to market ourselves, you know, social media dashboard, for example. And I'll, I'll aggregate a whole, like a dozen different search strings in there and different search parameters. Then I do the same thing in, in Google. I do the same thing at a, at a few other places, depending on what I'm looking for in particular. Um, as, and then 
uh, I put together basically a tab full of a bunch of uh, little panes of searches from all these different corners of the internet. Um, I'll do search specifics for in in Dig, and I'll you know the, grab a feed for the Hootsuite tag in Delicious, in Flickr, um, everywhere that I can create a feed that might have something to do with it, uh, and I aggregate those into NetVibes.com little dashboard view. Uh, and it's a, another free tool. They have a paid model as well, but it's a free or cheap resource, just like I like it. And I'll put together a bunch of different tabs in there. One, I'll be listening to just um, stuff that we're putting out there to see the reaction to it, comment threads, uh, you know, our own kind of delicious feed and Flickr feed and those kind of things, uh, you know, YouTube comment feeds, uh, everything I can get my hands on that I can make an RSS feed out of it. Sometimes I'll even take this to another level, and this is a, a, a hack worth explaining, so I'll just take a second to explain it. During the Olympics up here in Vancouver, I, I uh, organized a, a kind of a social media project called True North Media House. And as people would submit their feeds and register for this project, they would submit their feed, um, and I didn't even take an email address from them because, which I'll get to in a little bit more in tune with uh, Dane's question, we'd take their feed and we'd aggregate all those feeds into a Yahoo Pipes feed, and then stick that Yahoo Pipes aggregate feed into Hootsuite through the RSS integrator. And then from there, we would send that out through a Firehose Twitter account. So it was different than the conversational account. This was just kind of a raw news feed of everyone who was accredited by True North Media House, which is about 150 bloggers. All their content, whenever they would update something, it would go out to this feed, and then they'd send a Twitter message out there on Twitter. And then it would also go uh, send the same message uh, to WordPress.com, to free WordPress.com blog. Because so, as you know, that Twitter doesn't really archive or keep your content around for more than about 50 tweets which again, as I'll get to in Dane's question, is about a day and a half for me. So all those Twitter messages were backed up on a free WordPress.com blog. So again, that has huge SEO benefits, huge archival benefits, and it's a cool hack so you know everything, uh, have kind of a permanent record of everything that's being said about your company, um, and it's all done automatically, which is the best way to do it. That's brilliant. Now, I'm so as glad we're recording this so I can listen to it 10 times to finally understand that's, it. That's strong kung fu, and there's people out there making good money just implementing those for, uh, for businesses. So follow that wow. recipe care carefully. Uh, now, as far as Twitter as a communication tool, I've always loved postcards. And I've, um, you know, I've traveled around to like 22 countries. I've worked in most of them, and I'm not like, I don't go to them as a tourist. I'm usually stuck, go there with a one-way ticket and very little money just to up the degree of difficulty for some reason. And... Uh, um, and all along the way, I've written postcards. So I love short-form communication. I love Japanese haiku form. I love the immediacy of a message encapsulated down to its bare elements with, you know, all the, all the, uh, the, the you know, just the raw bones, just, you know, all the, the tendons and sinews stripped away. Um, so email um, uh, carries with it a little package of obligation and uh, insistence and it's something you have to sit down and respond to. And as soon as you know how it is with getting stuff done, it's like you look at an email, oh, okay, I'll get back to that, and you sort of ferment that a little bit. Oh, i got to set it there. I, got, I end up with, I don't know, 14 different accounts, and they're all managed here, there, and everywhere. There's personal stuff. There's professional stuff. I'm on the road. I, do I really want to download this? And so Twitter, because it has that immediacy to it where I can um, get the response down to an elemental basic chunk of, of information, um, there's, there's, it builds in a tremendous amount of efficiency, and part of this is practical for me because um, you know, there's a tremendous amount of communication that I, I deal with on a, on a daily basis, and there's a lot of people, um, again, to sort of put it gingerly, vying for my attention and trying to get through to me. 
and Twitter I'm able to respond and triage those things really quickly and efficiently. And again, you know, I use we eat our own dog food at the company where, you know, Hootsuite's always open in front of me and I can bang out a response in less than a minute that has some sort of meaning and keeps the tennis match going. Whereas an email, I have to, you know, it's a, it's a switch for me, and it's just sort of fallen down the wayside to about the, the, third, the third best way to get a hold of me, uh, and definitely the one you're going to wait the, the longest on. And then the other thing I like about posting so much on Twitter, which is goes a little bit to my frustration about Twitter's lack of archiving and, and stuff, but that's a whole other topic. But um, rather than keeping in touch with a whole bunch of different people, uh, I can both allow people to come along with me a little bit on my adventure. And this, you know, I built up a big following with my podcast who get audio documentation of my adventures. But this allows them to kind of come along in my back pocket a little bit and kind of know what the day-to-day thing is really like that I'm doing. Um, and also kind of notes to a future self. Um, you know, some people write diaries or journals or whatever. This is just kind of my little annotations to a future self. And I do lot that kind of stuff in lots of different forms random camera phone pictures, podcasts, Twitters, blog posts. There's all these little artifacts that I sort of leave behind. So this is just sort of another set of artifacts. Well, wow, that's great. You, that's inspirational, man. You are, you are living out there. It's fantastic. These tools are great, and uh, we'll document those, and, and uh, uh, we'll get them out to our listeners. I think there's, as you said, strong kung fu. Uh, we've uh, we've run our our lot of time here, Dave. I'm I, and I'm. I feel like we could talk for much longer. I hope you will. Uh, I hope you will grace us with your uh, field reports and and come back as a guest again. Uh, we we just really enjoy having you around. Yeah, it'll be my pleasure. And when Dane's up there, at, uh, up here for Northern Voice, we'll be sure to record a special episode of the Naked Market. Beautiful. More, from, more, uh, more than one. That's right. All right. So uh, before we before we let you go, uh, it would I would be remiss if I didn't ask where can people follow you? Uh, uh, Dave O'Hoot. Uh, you can follow me for uh, uh, my uh, professional uh, activities through Hootsuite, and uh, you can track me down at the blog there. If you want to know more about my after hours projects, I do a bunch of different podcasts and stuff. Um, you're probably pretty crafty. You can Google me up, and I, you know because I, because I. To, to be honest, because I promote stuff during the day for a living, I kind of under-promote all my personal projects, and I kind of make it a little bit like a, a web scavenger hunt. But once you find it, you'll know that it, uh, it's like the A-team. You won't, they won't find you unless you really need it. So uh, I'll just put in my name and whatever you're interested in, except for alpacas, because I don't have anything about alpacas. But let's say you're into, like, longboard hockey. Just put in my name and longboard hockey, and you'll find something. Or ice hockey, or... Um, you know, renegade stories from Belize, and you'll find some. So, I, again, I, I think I like people to find stuff by the topic and uh, rather than um, from my persona. But certainly for, uh, for Hootsuite, um, I'm out there uh, running the blog and, uh, you know, talking on the Twitters, and we love to hear from people. So. Well, it's fantastic. We ca- and I, uh, we cannot endorse Hootsuite enough as a, as a tool. It is a social media tool of, uh, of choice. Mostly, it's just it's innovating so quickly. I mean, it's just there's constantly new stuff to do. Uh, definitely cool. check out Hootsuite. And, and um, uh, man, check out uh, uh, Dave O'Hoots uh, on Twitter. Uh, Dave Olson, marketing director and, more importantly, community wrangler. For Hootsuite. <laughs> right. Thank you so much, brother. It's been great to have you on the show. Thanks, oh, Dave. Thanks pleasure. a ton. Dave Olson is fantastic. So glad that he was able to join us uh, late last night for that uh, that conversation.
It's a sharp young man, that Dave Olson. Sharp young man. And a Canadian, too. And by the way, David Aaron Thorbald Olson is his full name. Oh. I don't think think he would like that you just said that. Sure he would. Thorbald? That's the kind of name you want on your license plate. (laughs) Well, I mean, good Lord, his initials are fantastic. Dato. Oh. Uh, All the more. And he's Canadian. That's what I said. I just seriously... All right. Well, we need to move on to tools. Uh, we there is a new tool, and we're this is one of those tools that I think is it's really easy for us to go a little bit down the geek side. So we're going to try and stay away from that and make more of an announcement and a recommendation. That's Very all nice. it is. is. That fair? Yeah. That's all it is. Very Dane, nice. all it is. take it away. I yeah, I hereby it, shut up. Thank you. Well, no, and that's all I can do here because I haven't used this tool yet. So this this was something I found last night, and I thought, wow, why didn't I know that? And I don't think I'm alone. I think a lot of people didn't know this, um, but it is possible to add Google Analytics to your Facebook fan page. Uh, there's a tool. It's an open source tool called the Facebook Google Analytics Tracker. So. I found the information on uh, a website. Uh, it's a blog, socialmediaexaminer.com. Uh, and they've got a, it's a, actually a very short little piece um, with graphic images. It's kind of a three-step, or yeah, is that right? Three-step process. So anyway, it, it's a little bit of a workaround. It's not something Facebook has launched or that Facebook is doing. And of course, you can get some statistics through your Facebook fan page. I, I mean, they, they track a few things. but um, And they're but good. Give, they're good stats. Yeah. That's yeah. Facebook. They're really good stats. They're and just You different. might be happy with those stats. Yeah. I mean, they are good stats. So, uh, But this is, again, just a little bit of a workaround uh, that you can do a couple of things that, again, we're not going to get into here. We're not going to go through the process. And, and I haven't actually been through it, so I can't speak to having gone through it and what might be buggy about it, but it doesn't look horribly complicated, actually. Um, looks fairly simple. And well, uh, you can put the tracking code uh, on your Facebook fan page and, you know, get all the uh, all the kind of analytics data that you're used to getting through Google Analytics. So the recommendation is... It's a little bit on the deep end of the, uh, uh, you know, of the configuration side. There isn't a lot of just coding. There's a lot of copying and pasting. Uh, but just because you want to keep things, keep all these little, you know, tags and widgets in the right place, uh, it, the recommendation is go to your web developer, go to whoever is is coding your site and tell them you want to do this. And And the reason is... We all know how important it is to have good data, but but in my experience, consistent data, and to have all of your tracking in Google Analytics, it, it, you know, so you can you can actually see your Facebook traffic side by side with your um, with your site traffic is is handy, and at least it's a it's a backup, you know, it's another way, just another way to turn that Facebook data on its ear. I think that's there's a lot of value to to doing that. So there you dun, go. Dun, dun, dun. There, there you, you go. It. That's it. Google Analytics for Facebook. And then Peter and I found something really cool this past week because we have a Naked Marketers Skype chat. And I asked Peter, I said, how do you make sure that it, how do I find that? And he said, oh, well, I just keep it open all the time. And I thought that is not going to work for me. So we realized that within Skype, you can bookmark a conversation and then either go back um, to recent chats or go back to your bookmarked chats. So that's pretty cool. If you have something that runs consistently, you don't, and you want to be able to see. That's one of the things I like about Skype. You can kind of see, you know, oh, I know I sent that to him on Skype, or I know that yeah. we were talking about it on Skype, and you know, you can go back and see. 
pretty, you know, from the onset of the conversation. Well, and so that's, that's what's so great. You know, when you're on Skype, if you're having a, a chat conversation with just one person, that's one thing. Because if you just click on their name again and start another chat, you can go there. back. Right. Right. But what this is specifically, if you have a chat room, like for us, we have one with Dane and, and Megan and me. And and that room, so anything that any of us chat in there goes to all three of us, even when one of us is offline. And so the next day, you know, you open up Skype and you want to be able to get back to that chat quickly if you've closed down all your windows. There is a chat menu that says bookmarked chats. And if you have bookmarked those chats, you can you can get back to opening up the same people that were in that chat and see all of the all of the um, conversation that was ongoing. And all it is is a little button right up at the very top of the chat window that is a book with a bookmark on it. And it seems so obvious <laughs> that we would have that we would have discovered this and we never did. It's one of those things that totally just jumped out and and bit us yesterday. So yeah, so that's for fun. those who Thank use you for uh, that. Skype, uh, that's a great thing to do. I have nothing else, people. This has been a good show. I don't either. Well, uh, thank you both for your time. Uh, if you thank want to, you, where can we find you, uh, Dane? In uh, the world? Dane Christian. Well, I'm in the white pages. So. <laughs> Sorry, Dex. Just, just open look it up. Your, open your kitchen cabinet and go to Dex. Dane at uh, AOL dot com. Not at all. <laughs> God, I should grab that, though. Um, no, Strike 10 Media is my company's uh, website. I'm on Twitter at Altadane, and I have a Facebook fan page, which is, uh, you know, facebook.com slash strike 10. Which will soon have Google Analytics on it. Yeah. Maybe. Right. Look forward to that. I don't know. My 12 fans. I want to know where. to track every move. <laughs> Megan, where can we find you? Um, I'm at Megan Strand on Twitter, or my blog is encouraged.com, and that's I-N. C-O-U-R-A-G-E-D. Fantastic. And I am Pete Wright, at Pete Wright on Twitter. Please follow me up. I'm at fifthandmain.com. And uh, for the show, head over to thenakedmarketers.com, and you can find all of our back episodes. There are massive, I can't underscore this enough, massive back catalog of archived shows uh, is right there at thenakedmarketers.com. You can fan <laughs> us up on our fan page and uh, follow each of us on Twitter. We're always tweeting about the Naked Marketers stuff. So uh, that's what we have. Thank you so much for listening. On behalf of Dane and Megan, I'm Pete Wright. This has been The Naked Marketers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.